You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter, Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And we got a special, special pod for you guys today. I'm actually joined with my buddy Jacob from Packernet Podcast and uh, Mr. Pack Daddy himself, Ryan Schlipp. How you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing great, man. It's a beautiful day in Wisconsin. I got no work. I'm ready to talk, uh, talk some ball. There you go. Ryan, dude, what's going on your way, man? Not too much, man. I'm just uh, still waking up a little bit. I wish I knew it was a nice day, but I uh, would be lying if I said I've been outside yet. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, I know this. I've been in the film film study room here all morning long, and I am really, really excited about our Chalk Talk segment. And that's what we're going to do today, guys. We're going to break down a uh, a play here from from the, uh, the game Friday night against the Saints. <clears throat> and you guys know Jordan Love, in my opinion, had one of his better games of his career. Um, got got to see some extended play time, and it was a blast uh, doing that watch party with you guys um, just live there on Friday night. So we're also going to break down some PFF stuff on the back side of this pod. So we're going to kind of talk about some of the uh, the the more recent grades that have uh, been modified and, and talk about who played well and who didn't. But let's do this. Let's just jump right into the Chalk Talk segment. And uh, I'm going to play a clip here for you guys. And uh, basically what I'm going to do – is I'm going to set this up. You're going to hear the uh, the TV broadcast version of, uh, of these plays, and it's it's going to be a two-play sequence, and then we're going to go down to the exact play that we're going to break down. So this first one here um, is actually a play that set up the play that we're breaking down. So you're going to hear Amari Rogers is in motion, but I'm going to play these two clips, and then we're going to go right into the chalk talk. Amari Rogers on the move, the handsome snap. Gibson will cut again. And from behind, it was Demario. Black, you got him. Josh Black with the tackle. They love Goodson as a runner, but they really like him as a pass catcher. Here's a second one. Out of block from Davis and going deep. And he's got his receiver downfield. Winfrey as he beats Meeks. On the move, another catch to the 32 of New Orleans. All right, so the reason we wanted to play that sequence was because, of course, uh, you had Amari Rogers motion exactly the same way on two consecutive plays. I'm pretty sure they were consecutive. That's how the cut-up showed. But it was obviously in the same drive at least. And really the whole purpose of, of showing that is, is to kind of, when we break this play down, I want you to see what that pre-snap motion does. And if you guys remember, you know, Ryan used to talk about this all the time. I know when Matt LaFleur got hired and we all started kind of jumping in, this was before I was on the team, obviously. 
you sort of jumping into what makes this this scheme, this system valuable. And it's all the pre-snap chaos that it creates. I mean, you're really, really limiting the defense on what they can do as far as breaking a play down. And uh, what we're going to do is go to the All-22 here, guys. If you hear an echo, let me know. But uh, we should be good here. I want to show this play, and I'm going to try to describe it to everybody um, as we break it down here. Okay, first of all, here is what I would refer to the play call. And you're going to hear me get away from my old archaic number system. Um, if we were to use a number system, the closest thing to it would be an 816 route combination. But the play is basically an 11 ace, strong right bunch, play action, Z motion sift, and uh, it's got an XY mesh halfback flat. So the play read would be 11 ace, strong right bunch, Z motion, play action, sift, XY mesh, halfback flat. Now let me break all that down really, really quick here. 11 ace, okay? 11 is your personnel. One tight end, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers set. Strong right bunch means you've got strong right. The tight end is on the right side of the uh, of the formation. And you've got bunch, which is the formation. So it's telling you the tight end side. There's also two receivers bunched up with it, okay? And essentially what you have is with that set, you've got your X receiver at the top, which is Dobbs. You have your Z receiver, which was at the bottom in uh, Amari Rogers. And then you've got your Y receiver in the, you know, what some would consider the slot, which is actually Winfrey. And that's why it's so important when people say slot receiver, when they refer to someone as strictly a slot receiver, in most cases, these players are playing different positions. You know, and if you guys remember in the preseason, they said, um, I think it was Vrabel said, that Amari Rogers was actually going to be playing some Z too. He was going to be playing all over the place. But um, I think that's why they mentioned it because they use a Z motion here, which is Amari Rogers motion in left. Okay. So you've got ACE, 11 ACE, 11 personnel, obviously ACE means single back. That's just a, a quick term rather than saying single back, you know, two syllable words, they'd say ACE because it's easier to communicate. And then, like I said, the strong right bunch Z motion means Amari Rogers is going to be motion in left. It's a play action pass. Sift. I want to focus on sift here in a second as well. Okay. And, and understand, guys, that terminology completely varies based on the coach. You're not going to find two coaches that are going to speak this terminology exactly the same way, unless they're on the same staff. This is just it's how football is. Me and Jacob, we've had a good time laughing about that here lately because it seems like some coaches just try to sound smarter than the other. It's really there's there's a multitude of ways that this can be communicated. All right. And uh, sift, let's focus on sift here for a second, guys. What I mean by sift, it's a blocking technique, right? It's a blocking technique by the tight end. If you look right here, actually, I'm going to switch over to this other video. I'm going to try to describe it for everybody on the podcast, okay? When we say sift, it's a blocking technique where a tight end will actually come across the formation and, and pick off an edge defender. And it's very, very important to understand why that's in this play because the play that we set this up with, guys, it you basically showed Amari Rogers motion in left, and you had Goodson get the handoff, right? So now when you show that motion left again with Amari Rogers, those linebackers are going to key in on that, and they think it's a run. And you're going to see that with this play. All right, so let's go ahead and roll this a couple of times just so you guys can see. As we play it there, you see the motion left. Now, the sift is right here. You'll notice that you've got uh, Tyler Davis that comes across. Everybody's going to get mad at me, but he actually did a good job on this play. <laughs> right?
right? So when he Clue. comes across the formation, he sifts that edge defender. Now, why is that important? The reason it's important is because everything with this system, and you've talked about this in the past, Ryan, everything in this system needs to marry up, right? The running game needs to marry up with the passing game. What that means is no matter whether you're running a play-action pass or uh, a running play, the offensive line should appear the same exact way, right? They should they they literally it should look exactly the same way to where the defense can't just look at the offensive line and determine what's going on. You know, back in the old days, they would just key in on the running back and that would determine whether they bite or not. Then they caught on. But then when Alex Gibbs came on the scene with his dad, Joe, and they created this system, um, they started to go, you know what, let's sell it with the offensive line. So when you look at the offensive line, watch them here on this. This is a, a play action passing play. But watch the whole offensive line. That looks like a running play. It don't look like a pass play. Like they're all moving to the right. You see what I'm saying, guys? Yeah. Am I so, crazy? Does does the left tackle leave the DN free so that the tight end can come across and then catch him? 100%, Jacob. That's, that is called a sift. That's the whole purpose is that's how you really sell that that's a running play. Now, that defensive end is just kind of on an island thinking, okay, if he boots out to the left, he the quarterback's my guy, right? But look at the tight end picks him up. Look at this pocket. I mean, that's amazing. Now, don't get me wrong. If you if you freeze it here and look at Tyler Davis, I don't know. They look like they're dirty dancing up here. Like I don't. I don't that's not the best blocking technique. However, mm -hmm. he made this play go. I mean, he really does a good job just staying squared up and creating that pocket for Jordan Love to deliver that ball. And we're going to talk about that ball here in a second. Yeah. But so far, what stands out to you guys right here? I, I was just going to say, if you could back that up a little bit, the the best part about all of this. Um, because you know they're, they're trying to decide what's going on, but you're not trying to sell necessarily the defensive line. They're coming either way. But if you watch the linebackers, if you watch number 55 and whoever that other guy is that off the edge there, the point mm -hmm. is we want them coming up. Look where they end up by the time the quarterback has the ball. They they bit on this so hard. Look at them coming, oh, yeah. and they didn't realize it until oh. right about here. And at that point, look, you got three defenders. I can't point at it, but you got three defenders, and look at the Packer running behind all three of them. Yep. Those guys yeah. they bit on that so hard. Like like you said, they're they're reading, the offense, they're reading the offensive line. They're saying, "Oh, run play!" They're they're coming after us, and they 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 just got crushed on that. And and watch number fifty eight, like you said, Ryan. I'm gonna try to let me see. Let me get it to that point there. Yeah, look at number fifty eight right here. Right here, he mm -hmm. said, "Oh crap!" Yep, he's by himself. He's he yeah. has no job right now. We just we and, just and brought him into ten men on the field. Look at him turn. He doesn't even look at the court. Yeah. He's like, "I've got to." And look at number fifty five too, like yeah. you said, Ryan. Look, I mean, they're both. They are both like, oh, crap. Yeah. And, and the reason being is look at that offensive line. They're key in the run. Remember, the play before this, Amari Rogers motions left, right, and they run a gap left. So these two backers see that, and they go, okay, is this the same play? First of all, the, the pre-snap shift is Amari clears. They, they both take a, a step to the right. So essentially what you've got is they think, okay, run, run left, and then right here it's, oh, crap, so now they're froze like, okay, they're running, they're running right. And then they go, no, it's a pass. So I think that backer seen that sift at the last second. And he's like, okay, this is a pass. I mean, right here, it's over. I mean, it's it's ball game. Go ahead though, Ryan. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to point that out that those backers, I mean, they had to turn their back completely. I mean, it is it's just great because the entire defense, even if you look at the player that passed off on Winfrey, he didn't even barely touch him. His eyes are glued to the backfield. 
barely touches a guy. He starts running forward to try to get the running back. I mean, I, I said it's like they had 10 men on the field. They might as well have had seven men on the field on this defense because you got three, four guys with no job. Because they're, they're, they bit, and now they're just standing in no man's land. There's nothing that they can do to contribute to this play anymore. Absolutely. Jacob, what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm just curious if um if is the receiver on the top of the screen the X is that Dobbs? Am I crazy? That is Dobbs. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop back real quick. Okay, I want to show you this all 22 here again. And the reason I'm doing this is because Dobbs. This is what you guys. The reason it's X Y mesh is because the Y receiver and the X receiver are gonna run what we call a mesh concept. Now it's a deep crosser mesh. Okay, so this this concept would be called high low mesh. And the reason it's high low mesh is the high play or the deep crossers, they're going to mesh. That's where the mesh comes into the terminology. And then the low aspect is Amari, after he finishes his motion left, he's going to settle in out here in the flat. And this is going to be a halfback delay. So he's going to chip, and then he's going out into the flat. So you've got high, low, and then, of course, the mesh concept. So I'm going to roll it here. Watch Dobbs. And we're going to key in on Dobbs here, too, because he didn't get the ball, but he scorched him on this route. See, I was going to say, I almost feel like his release was that Love could have went to Dobbs if he wanted to. Absolutely. But I think what what Jordan's seen is as soon as he turned around, you remember Aaron talking last year, guys, if I see numbers on the back of a jersey, I'm throwing there. That's exactly what he's seen right there with that backer. So he keys in and goes, okay, Winfrey is my guy, right? Look at Winfrey. And look at the separation Winfrey has here, too. But here's the mesh. Focus on these guys intersecting here. I mean, it's huge. They, if he tightens up right here, he's getting hit by his own defender. So he's they, it forces the defense. It's it's a legal pick play, essentially. I was going to say, at what point do they call that a pick play? Is it just if they decide they want to throw the flag on that one? Or? Well, no, as long as, as long as a receiver does not touch a DB that's not covering them, really a DB in general, then they cannot call the pick play on the offense. The goal isn't for the receiver to hit the defender. The goal is to make the defenders adjust to each other and really just kind of get in their way, more or less. So essentially you had a play action zone right and then the uh, the the fake end around or whatever, the the the, the Z motion on the backside, that's going to hold those backers just long enough to create this second level separation. And in my opinion, it's definitely man coverage. You can tell it's man coverage because you've got guys running with both Winfrey and Dobbs. So it's a single high man coverage. But underneath, I think what was designed to do was the two linebackers obviously were designed to play drop zones. I think this guy in the middle was supposed to drop, a, you know, maybe anywhere from five to ten yards. And then this backer here was designed to kind of cover that intermediate zone. So he knows, I mean, he as soon as he sees it's a play fake, he's sprinting to this spot. He knows he's he's screwed, basically. So I wanted to show that all 22 to show you guys Dobbs because Dobbs definitely did win his route um, there. So something else, th- uh, another another uh, thing to talk about here is there's two play fakes on this one single play when you think about it, guys. Like, as Amari comes over, they think, okay, are they handing the ball to him, the backer shift? That's essentially a play fake, even though he didn't put his hand out, right? And then the second play fake coming here, and what you see here with this second play fake, and I want to kind of hit it here, is – this guy right here is forced to set the edge. He is forced to set the edge in case they give the ball here. And honestly, if they give the ball to him, that's probably a big play, it looks to me like. But look at Zach Tom over here on the edge. And, Ryan, I know you're, you're probably going to come up on the edge of your seat on this one because this rookie dude, he I mean, everything about him, he's got a good base. What's crazy is 
if you look, the defender gets his hands on him first, and that's usually a big no-no. But what Tom does is goes underneath his hands, gets square in the middle of his chest, so he's got the leverage, and look at his base. And watch him walk this guy out of the play. Not only did he walk him out, he disengages, lets the running back get in his way, like, okay, let this little guy come through here. My God, okay, now let me finish blocking. Look how far – guys, listen to me. Look how far Zach Tom is away from where he started. Like his footwork is unbelievable. It's really impressive with that running back thing too, because how easily could it have been a disaster if he bumps into his own guy and then it's just game over and the guy comes through to have the awareness to just kind of pass him, go behind the running back, catch him again. How do you even think, how do you even know he's there much less think to do stuff like that? That's crazy to me. It's insane. It's insane. And, and like you said, like, you're playing in an NFL game. Preseason, I get it. But you're this calm to go, okay, let me just kind of slide over here. All right, yeah, we're good. <laughs> and, and, again, if, if they don't bite on that play fake, what Jordan, what's going to happen here with Jordan Love is he's going to see that backer in that space, and he's got essentially two check downs, right? He's got Goodson coming out of the backfield on a halfback delay, and then you'll have Amari here. Because yeah. if, if he – does read it right. He's got a safety outlet. But again, you could probably beat Dobbs. The single high safety had no had no clue what to do because literally Dobbs has him beat and Winfrey has him beat. You know, and essentially what you've got is man coverage outside technique. You can kind of see it from the get-go. Now they were playing off and they were disguising, they were sugaring just a bit. But with this high low mesh concept, I mean they were so far out of position it didn't even really matter. Um, again, though, Amari, Amari Rogers motioning in the left flat. Goodson with a great chip delay block. Not really a good good block, but a delay flat there. That's going to be the safety outlet. And you got to give this cat credit because I'm telling you, man, if you told me you're tied in on the opposite side of the formation's responsibility was covering Jordan Love's backside, I'd be nervous as you know what. But he did get in the way. And like I said, there's a little dirty dancing up here, but – he prevented him from uh, from getting the love. Now, let's talk about love for a second. Um, you know, like we said, Dobbs, he, he continues to impress me. Like, I'm going back to the All-22 one more time because I am absolutely obsessed with Romeo Dobbs. I want you to look at his speed. Like, it's insane to me that this guy ran a 4-5-40. Look right here. There, he's in his hip pocket. He's playing that outside technique we talked about because he knows he's got safety help over the top in the middle, right between the hashes. Look at this. He is gone. Yeah. Like, and you could tell he even pulled up too. I don't know, man. I, I get really excited about Dobbs. He, I feel like we've got something there for sure. Um, okay, so that aspect, let's go to the actual pass and the catch now. So you've got Winfrey coming across the formation, and I want you to watch Jordan Love right here. Jordan Love on this drop. First of all, diagonally drifting back, you got to play, play fake. Three steps after the play fake, it's really a five-step drop, maybe even a seven-step drop. But look at his back foot hit, bam, clean hitch, and look at that ball. Like his mechanics are totally different this year. Tom Clements working with him this offseason is phenomenal. Like, and then you've got Winfrey with the catch. That you can't throw that ball any better, Ryan. Look at that. I mean, it's just – look at 58. He's throwing a – throwing the hands up. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, 
he was no. lost the entire play. Watch him from start to finish. This guy, he's a big old mean linebacker. Look at him. He's ready. Oh, crap. Oh, Jeez. crap. Uh, and then you get right at the end. Of, yeah. well, when you watch that in real-time speed, you really see how bad 55 bit. He was almost in the backfield, <laughs> and then he realizes, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Let's loop it here a couple times. Let's watch it. Watch him. Yeah. yeah let's see. <laughs> really? He was so excited. I'm gonna make a play. I'm gonna get this guy. He looked like Ty Summers there. Oh. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, feel the panic right there. Yeah. <laughs> but again, man, it, the offensive line is really what amazed me about this whole thing. Like when you when you look at how we get at the freeze here. When you look at how the offensive line all drift right, knowing that Jordan Love is going to be sitting in a pocket. I mean, you're putting a lot of a, a lot of hope in that tight end sift for sure. But Jordan Love throws a dot. The footwork was great. The back foot hit, clean hitch, 100% on the timing. Probably got an A-plus on that play. And, again, the big thing that stands out to me, guys, is Zach Tom. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's amazing watching Zach Tom walk this defensive end out. And this is in the second quarter. Let's don't pretend like this is fourth and fifth string guys. Right. I don't know who number 90 is. I haven't studied, you know, the Saints that close. But I know Zach Tom dominated him here. And, and you know, you've got the double team block there on the left side. How everything blocks down, again, it, it, start, it begins and ends. And you've heard Matt LaFleur talk about this. You heard Ryan talk about it on Pass Pods. It begins and ends with marrying the run to the pass. It's, it's absolutely vital. So, before we move on here again, um, is there anything you guys want to add that you've seen here that you might want to point out? Um, couple things. Um, the, the one, because I'm obsessed with this play design or the way that they do these kinds of things. The great thing about it is it's not as though they'll say, well, next time we won't, you know, you're not gonna be able to trick us with this. We can, because you don't know what we're doing. Like you said, there's three plays in one here. So yep. if you're like, well, we're not going to bite next time. Well, you probably should, because if we hand it off and you're not biting on it, you're in trouble. So the real beauty about this whole thing is you can have your guys five yards down the field before the defense actually knows what you're doing until that quarterback turns around and you can see if there's a ball there or not, they're kind of just standing there. So the ability of that, the, the, the real good thing is you, you got the guys like Roquan and all these fast linebackers. And the, the beauty of it is they can take off and get there real fast. But if they have to stand there for a while to figure out what's going on or just guess you're, you're neutralizing that entire benefit of these sideline to sideline, speedy linebackers, they, they don't know what to do. They either have to guess or they have to just stand there. Yeah. And then the other thing with with Jordan Love that I, I first of all I'm getting annoyed with is people look at this play and so say so what it's just a, a normal NFL throw. I'm I'm really getting tired of unless he makes like a top five Aaron Rodgers throw, we're not going to give the guy any credit. It's mm -hmm. so obnoxious. I even had a guy basically tell me that that um, he, he's not impressed because you know we should expect him to be the next Aaron Rodgers or whatever. There there are so so many people are putting this guy in an un, impossible position to where he's garbage unless he can be the greatest quarterback in football. This is an unbelievable throw. And if you look at the All-22, the thing that always amazes me about these throws is when you look at when he actually releases the ball, you realize how impossible these throws actually are. You know, when you just see it live, it's like, okay, that was, that was a right, good throw on target, whatever. But look when his arm is, like, right here, or, you know, when, when his arm finally gets cocked, to, to, to determine where that ball is going to be is, is insane to me. Because I'm guessing when I'm looking, like I would throw it right about there. I'm way off. That ball would have been picked in my mind. So oh, yeah. for him to throw it 
and it's in stride and it's right at the sideline at ball extended with two guys on him where only he could get it. Come on, man. That, that's, that is an unbelievably difficult throw, even for an NFL quarterback. And it's not as though it was good enough. It was perfect. So we got to yeah. start giving him credit for when he does things like this, because this really is an extremely impressive throw. Yeah, and Jake, Jacob, before I turn it over to you here, another thing too, Ryan, watch, watch Jordan Love as he releases the ball. He's not like loading it up either. Look at his arm strength. He's kind of fading off to the left. Yep. And and that ball still goes. I mean, you're talking about from what the uh, the 36 yard line down to. I mean, it's not an easy throw to make. What do you think, yeah. Jacob? Yeah, no, I was just wondering when I was looking up some mesh concept stuff. Um, it was kind of touted as being the man, the man defense killer, you know. Um, so being that this was the single high, probably man coverage. What if they were in a zone? Does the mesh concept in this specific play would they still be able to find pockets to make this this play work, or would it be a better a better call for the defense if they were in a zone against a play like this? That's a that's a great great question, you know. So because you're not always going to be facing man coverage now. What really comes down to we you hear us talk about can plays at the line of scrimmage, right? Let's say he comes to the line of scrimmage and he recognizes they're in zone. First of all, right here, this looks like man coverage. It really does. And this guy does a great job. Uh, when I say this guy, I'm sorry, the corner on the top of the screen on Dobbs, he does a great job not giving away that it's outside technique, right? Because when you watch him here, Dobbs has to do a little bit of work to get inside, right? And again, it's that same stutter step. We broke it down last week, Jacob. Look at Dobbs, bam. Yeah. Like they they have they know his outside release is so good. They've really, really got to respect it. Right here, though, as soon as Jordan Love turns back around. He knows he's got inside leverage because look here. So going back to your question, let's say it is a zone defense, right? And let's look at how this play develops. You know, if it's a cover three zone, right? If it's a cover three zone, they're still in a single high look. So essentially the corner that's responsible out here, like look at this guy right here floating, right? He didn't have – his guy didn't come out. And, and the reason being, he bites on the edge for a second, but – because Goodson gets completely lost in the backfield, this guy goes, okay, let me just get back and cover somebody, right? But essentially, if this was a cover three defense and this wasn't a drop coverage here on the corner on the bottom side, then this this is going to uncover here. Now, you're probably saying, okay, well, what if the pass rush had already gotten to him? Okay, if the pass rush had gotten to him, here's your safety valves or it's a throwaway, which Goodson in this case, it, it just so happens him getting hung up in the offensive line, that would have been your safety valve. Yep. See what I'm saying? So the high-low concept, what makes it so valuable, in my opinion, is uh, is the fact that you got that underneath to check it down to. And not only to check it down to, but if the play completely busts, then you can throw it away on that side out of bounds. You've got a receiver within distance, and you don't get hit with a uh, intentional grounding. So that's a great question, though. Yeah. All right. Anything else you guys want to cover on this? We've geeked out enough, I believe, right? Oh, that was fun. <laughs> It's good. Absolutely. All right. So what we're going to do now, guys, we're going to take a quick, quick break. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk a little PFF. And I'm going to kind of let Ryan and Jacob take over with this because I know they've been studying the grades. And, and granted, guys, listen, the game was played on Friday. They're not going to focus on PFF grades as close. They being, you know, of course, uh, PFF themselves when it comes to preseason. To me, it seems like they're a little shorthanded on preseason. They're kind of getting everything ramped up for the regular season. So some of these grades come out late. They get modified, all that stuff. But we're going to take a look at, at who played well. 
this week on the other side. But first, let's pay some bills and, uh, and take a quick commercial break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so we're back. Jacob, dude, I know you've been studying the PFF grades. Ryan, you the same. Um, the five players that I picked last week, uh, on the pod that I did uh, as I was kind of previewing the Saints and the Packers. I wanted to see how Jordan Love played. I wanted to see how Romeo Dobbs played. I wanted to see how Quay Walker played. Uh, defensive line, TJ Slayton, was that just a fluke game? You know, that was another person I wanted to look at. And then, of course, Kingsley and Igbari. So uh, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you here, Jacob. And, Ryan, anytime you want to interject, man, just, just jump in there. I know you've been studying the grades as well. But what stands out to you, Jacob, about this game? Well, I mean, like you said, first of all, from I got home last night around 1030, uh, got into PFF, started looking at the grades, was kind of surprised at a few of the ones, like you said, Slayton, as I watched the game live, I thought, I think I even said, I can't wait to see this guy's grade, you know, he's really standing out on film. Um, and then a few other guys, literally from, so about 1130 last night is when I clicked off. And then I woke up this morning around 6am and there was a lot of changes and a lot of them were pretty drastic. For instance, I believe TJ Slayton's We'll get to it later, but I just off the top of my head, I think his pass rush grade went from a low 50s. And then this morning I wake up and he's the second ranked pass rusher with like a 74 or whatever it is. So a lot of swaying overnight. But just to start off, your boy, Zach Tom, the best offensive grade we have. He was a 87.3. He had a pass blocking grade of 82 flat, a run block grade of 87.5, which is really encouraging to see. I mean, I knew that he had some potential with the pass blocking stuff, but to see him really step up in the run block game, plus – I love the fact that we have the big giant freak of a man. Caleb Jones comes in at 81.4 as the second highest overall grade, has a run blocking grade of 84.3, struggled a little bit with the pass with the 68.4. But again, just to have another massive guy, imagine if we had like Yash and Caleb Jones at right tackle and then Myers at center. I mean, that's a big bunch of boys, man, to try to move those guys around. Um, if you want to get into more specifics, I mean, like the, the past blocking grade, Cole Van Lannan surprisingly had an 85.5 grade. And if you actually look at the whole league right now, he's ranked fifth with an 87.1 overall uh, pass blocking grade after two games. Zach Tom's ranked 43rd in the league. John Runyon Jr. is ranked 31st. So 
we've got a lot of really good diamonds in the rough, a lot of, you know, second and third year guys and some, some guys that like Jones and Yash, man. I mean, I don't know how Goody finds these guys, but the fact that he does and he seems to be able to mold them into, into up and coming players is amazing. Again, Zach Tom with the best run block rate of 87.5 Jones was 84.3 Myers finishes third with 82.1 in the run block rate. And then we have Jake Hansen of the 78 flat. So again, very encouraging. Some stuff that's not the best is seeing Sean Ryan again, just seemingly struggling. Uh, I mean, he was again at the lowest of the low. I can't even read how bad his grade was. It's below 22. I know that it looks like it's in the teens. I believe it's like 15. Which I don't know, Ryan. Do you ever have trouble with PFF where you can't quite get the full list to load? Like the guys that are on the very bottom, you can't quite get to it, kind of thing. Mm, I don't think so. I know you, you got to kind of scroll twice. You got like the main page scroll, and then you got a page over on their, you know, thing to scroll down to that. So that that can be kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah, it's just a little clunky sometimes. Yeah, and again. The all 22 with NFL plus, I don't know, man, that is, that is straight trash. I mean, I, yeah, I tried it for about 30 minutes and it it's, it's, it's unwatchable. Bro. It looks like uncle Bill put that together back home. I'm telling you right now it is, it is real bad. Um, but what you said about Zach, Tom, Jacob, I'm going to jump in here real quick. And I, and yeah. I want to talk about this with Ryan here too. Ryan, bro, people who bash PFF, yeah. they, they always go to everybody thinks it's gospel. I haven't heard one person say that PFF is well, first right. of all, right? But it's I can't find hardly a single person that you look at the PFF grade and then you watch the tape and go, okay, yeah, I just don't see that. I mean, yeah. it, to me, it always matches up. I haven't seen one player where I'm like, wow, they had an extremely high PFF grade, but then you watch the tape and they, it, it, okay, I don't understand how they graded out that bad. I really just don't see it like that. Like Zach Tom, how many times is he going to have a high PFF grade? And then we watched the tape just like we did right now and broke down that play. And you just see how natural he is. You see his base. You see his hand placement. You see his footwork, everything about it. And you go, wow, that guy can block. And lo and behold, it comes out and has a great PFF grade. And it drives me crazy. But what stands yeah. out to you about well, uh, PFF on, on that point specifically, first of all, um, one of the things that's always funny, I mean, aside from obviously everyone being a hypocrite, they love PFF when it – confirms their biases and hate it when it doesn't but aside from that even teams like the Packers you, you might have them come out and say they don't like it they don't use it whatever but what's funny is I specifically remember offensive line in particular where PFF would say this was the best offensive lineman of the week Matt LaFleur would go to the podium and say this guy had a great day every single time he'd point out this guy had a great day it was whoever PFF had I'm not saying he looked at PFF obviously it was right after the game but the point is they saw the same thing so it's not, you're right, it's not gospel. And there are times when there's questionable things, and I'm sure they get some stuff wrong, but it is an unbelievably useful tool. 99% of the time, it's going to give you a much better insight than you would have had without it. You know, occasionally they might get a couple things wrong or whatever, but um, and also, like I've said, even if I watched the tape on every single player, I wouldn't trust my opinion more than theirs anyways. So what good does that do me? So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a great tool, and I do trust what they say largely. Um, Zach Tom in particular, one of the things that excites me, I'm looking at the overall um, offensive line, 278 offensive linemen have played this preseason. He has the 10th highest grade out of anybody. Uh, Caleb Jones is actually 17th after just two weeks. So we got, at the very least, we got two guys in the top 20 out of almost 300 prospects so far. And and also within this, there's there's not a ton of, uh, you know, if you look at rookies, for example, 
not a lot of guys that were drafted super early that are killing it. Zach Tom, second highest grade, along with Ed Ingram, out of all rookies right now. And um, where's our other guy at? Um, I don't know. Oh, oh, he's right next to him. Four. He's fourth. They're right next to each other, Zach Tom and Caleb Jones, with uh, the, the highest overall offensive line grades among rookies, and that's out of 73 rookies. And you got guys like Akema Kwanu who are down here 48th with a 54 overall grade. So, no, they're, they're, they're doing what they've always done, what Packers guys always do. They come in, they exceed expectations. You know, nobody expects anything from them, and it's just – it's just every year. It's it's got to be exasperating for all the Vikings and Bears fans because <laughs> the Packers just yeah. don't miss. Jacob, uh, do you you may know this answer, man? Um, how many snaps? How many total snaps has Caleb Jones had? Do we know? Anybody know? Fifty-two. Yep. Yeah, that's not a small sample size. No, it's not. I mean, yeah, that's exciting, dude. So, are we carrying Caleb Jones on this roster? That's he's at wild. least. He's at least getting practice squad for sure, but yeah, right. he he might he might I don't know. That's yeah. wild. What else you got, Jacob? Anything else PFF wise, man? Stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, just a couple things. My boy Juwan Winfrey. I just wanted to highlight him. He had a sixty-seven point <laughs> six offensive grade. Shut up. Uh, his, <laughs> what I wanted to ask Ryan was is because uh, so they have this thing called a drop grade, and I'm assuming the higher the grade, meaning the I don't quite understand that. That and the fumble grade. So, like to me, either you drop the ball or you fumble the ball. There's no in between. Right. So, how do they vary that grade? Because as it stands now, Juwan Winfrey is tied for seventh in the league in drop grade with a 74.6. And believe it or not, uh, Amari Rogers is 70. Yeah, has a 75.5, and he ranks like 11th or eighth or something in the fumble grade. So, how do you get a higher low grade when you don't? You know what I'm saying? So how, how do yeah, you measure that? I, I don't know how they do it, but the only thing I could think is I know they're very specific on, for example, with quarterbacks' ball placement. So uh, an accurate pass isn't always just that. You know, there's there's this, there's this, there's this. You know, so for right. a, a drop, you could have, you know, if it hits you right in the hands compared to you outstretched, kind of barely touched your fingertips. I don't know, but I'm, I'm just assuming they have that kind of built in in terms of, okay, what zone was it in when they when they didn't catch the ball? Was it a, a, a supremely accurate pass, or was it kind of a, a clunky pass that you maybe could have got? So that's the only variable that I could think of, aside from uh, how many drops you've had compared to how many opportunities you've had. Sure. And then real quick, just to highlight the absolute dumpster fire that is Tyler Davis. <laughs> Offensive grade of 25.7, receiving grade of 29.5, drop grade of 28.8, and then a fumble grade of 18.4 with a pass block rate of 29.3. So I don't that that's the most red I've, I've seen. I've never since. seen anything like that. Hey, hey, did you see the sift? <laughs> did anybody <laughs> see the sift? The one thing, man. That was a pretty sift. I'll give him that. It's like this. <laughs> it's dancing. Um, and then How other than that, uh, Amari Rogers has a good run grade. He has the best run running grade on the uh, team right now, which is interesting. Again, I said he's Tied with uh, Etling for the best fumble grade on the team, other than you know, other than Goodson. Um, so I don't know, man. There's a, just just a lot of encouraging stuff. Yeah. Of all the running backs and the fullbacks in the league right now, Goodson has the number one fumble grade rank of 78.7. Patrick Taylor ranks 31st. Uh, the run defense grades, that's what I was a little bit more interested in, seeing Ladarius Hamilton really step it up at the 82.1. I believe, yeah, Hamilton ranks 26 in the league right now with the 82.1 grade. And then you got – Guys like uh, Garvin showing up with a little bit of a better grade. Kobe Jones, I think they improved his grade. I like the Isaiah McDuffie. I know his um, 
grades are kind of skewed because he really only had like a couple pass rushes. But right now he's got a pass rush grade at 81 flat. And then, like I said, overnight, TJ Slayton, I think, was at like a 53, maybe a 52 when I went to bed. This morning I wake up and he's at a 77.5. Second. That, are you looking at his overall? Go sleep. Grade? Is this is overall, yeah, not the true pass sets, which could you quick well, break down what that means? I was just going to mention that. So a couple of things. His, his pass rush grade for today is still 52.7. Maybe for the, the two weeks combined, it's in the 70-something. I'm not sure because he had like a 90 last week. So I'm guessing overall is probably a 70. But um, here's the thing that, that I was going to give you a little glimmer of hope here. Um, the true pass sets kind of tries to further filter out garbage plays. So it's, you know, if you if TJ Slayton, who's a big boy on the inside, gets double teamed, and he doesn't get to the quarterback. He still didn't get to the quarterback. It's one play, no pressures, no, you know, you didn't win or whatever. But it also is kind of BS because you got double teamed. And so the expectations are a little bit different. So true pass sets filter some of that stuff out. I don't know everything, you know, for the offensive line stunts and twists. Maybe they pull that out. If the quarterback rolls out, they're going to pull that out of the equation. So if you look at TJ Slayton for this week, he only had seven opportunities and one pressure, which isn't super great. But only two of those were under true pass sets. So two times was mano y mano, me versus you, and he got one pressure out of those two attempts. So 50% win rate instead of his 14%. So basically, and it, it might have been other things, but basically he was getting double teamed all night is what it sounds like to me. He, they, they put two hats on him probably because they saw him last week crush every single human being in front of him, and they said we got to put two hats on this guy when he's out there, which was only seven times, like I said. And the two times they were stupid enough to leave him mano y mano, he got to the quarterback one of those times. So... Um, yeah, the, the grade wasn't great, but again, somewhat of a glimmer of hope because yeah. you can do that when it's all backups. When it's TJ Slayton, Jack Heflin, Chris Slayton, yeah, you can you can double team TJ Slayton and not worry about it. But when it's TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark and you know Jaron Reed or, or you can't do that. If you're putting two guys on Slayton, you're 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 asking for a world of hurt. So um that that would be my my glimmer of hope in terms of why this although the grade isn't great, is possibly worse than it really is. Right. And then the other thing, yeah, that was a combination of all the games where his average uh, yeah. pass rush would. But then the other thing that I was looking at, which I never knew this stat existed, it's called PRP. And it yeah. basically is a formula that combines sacks, hits, and hurries relative to how many times they rush the passer. So when I uh, filtered the search by that, Slayton jumped up again to like the second overall. No, I believe he was first overall with like 25-0. And yeah. second after that was uh, – Kingsley and Ibarre, if I believe, yeah. which was, I, that's a cool stat that maybe, you know, like you said, you kind of sift through a lot of the BS and you get really that, um, yeah, right here, TJ Slayton was number one, Kingsley and Ibarre was number two, Chauncey was number three, and Tipo was number four with Kobe Jones tied with him. So I just thought that was an interesting stat, one that I kind of like. And then the coverage gate, last thing real quick, Micah Abernathy ranked 31st in the league with an 81.3. And I had to look up it showed that he played two games. So I'm assuming he played with another team. I couldn't, didn't have enough time. Was that with Minnesota or was that with a different team? Um, I don't know for, for last year, you mean? No, he played, it's weird that he played in two preseason games. So he, he must have been with us last week. Was he with us last week? Yeah, okay. I think so. He, he came in cause I think we just picked him up. And then, cause I remember I saw him out there at the end of the game. I'm like who the heck is Abernathy? You know, I was kind of cracking <laughs> jokes about him. Okay. Like I guess the game's over or whatever. That was kind of the funny sense. thing about him crushing it this week is like, I guess he shut me up. Yeah, yeah, that's I'll, about it. I, I was just going to say about the pass rush productivity. I I don't use it, but I I've been thinking about it just the last couple of days actually. Now that you mention it, 
I think that probably is a really good metric because I, I don't like just sacks and stuff because it's too small of a number to give you a full picture. But I do like, you know, win rates and all that kind of stuff. But it, you got to acknowledge that sacks are more valuable than hits, which are more valuable than hurries, which are more valuable than wins. And that's what PRP does. It takes the rate, but it also weights it more heavily towards sacks and weights hits more value uh, more toward than than hurries or whatever. So I don't really like those proprietary blend type of type of things. But yeah. in reality, that probably is the best way to do it is to acknowledge, yes, the, the full picture and the percentage is important, but we got to acknowledge that sacks are more valuable. And it's going to hurt guys like Rashawn Gary, but it probably should a little bit, you know? So it, it, it is a good metric. I just I don't use it very much because I don't know. I just I, I'm weird about those things. <laughs> That's good stuff. Is that it, Jacob? Is that all you got, man? Yeah, pretty much. I and mean, then we could go into a couple other tiny things, but that's 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 pretty much the bulk of the highlights. Plus, I'm sure by now PFF has changed every single grade we just talked about. So <laughs> exactly it's all moot. <laughs> Again, it's preseason, right? It's preseason for everybody. Um I, I went to a high school game yesterday and uh it's, it feels like it's preseason for those refs, dude. They called eight penalties in a 10-play span in a high school game. I was like, what? In, you guys think you're on ESPN? What are you doing out there, Zebra? Like, this is horrible. <laughs> but it's preseason for everybody, right? Um, I got a clip here real quick. I'm going to play, and then we're going to read a listener email and get everybody out of here. But this clip is actually from Jordan Love and uh, talking about um, their post game. I just want to kind of hear, you know, hear what he had to say as the game wrapped up. And, um, and yeah, what he, he talked about, you know, it's basically his footwork and, and treating every play different rather than just settling in and, and being lazy with the footwork. I thought this was pretty cool. So hopefully this doesn't blast anybody's eardrums out. But let's hear from Jordan Love after that game. We'll get to an email and get everybody out of here. Jordan, Matt, um, use the phrase light years to describe where you are compared to a year ago. Do you feel that way too? And if so, why? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel definitely a lot better than I have in the past two years. I just feel, you know, more confident, more comfortable back there. Um, you know, it's my third year in the offense, second year getting, uh, you know, game reps. So I definitely just feel a lot more comfortable. Um, and I think it just comes with getting those reps and, you know, getting those plays and just get more confidence in myself and everybody around me and in the offense. Very good. What's the biggest thing you learned from Tom um, I think just sticking to, you know, the rules of the quarterback room of, you know, how we play plays, just sticking to the um, our, our keys, our, our reads, our footwork, um, and trying to just stay locked into the, the details of every play um, and trying to treat every play as its, its own play. Um, that's, I think, since Tom's been here, it's just, that's the, been the focus, just sticking to those details, and uh, I think it's been helping a lot. Sure. All right, so I, I just wanted to play that because, you know, just, just, I love his demeanor. I really do, man. I, I love how he approaches every question. He seems thoughtful. He seems like he's even killed. You know, that was the thing that people said about Aaron Rodgers. When he came into the league, especially when he took over, they said that they never seen him rattled, even in the huddle. Of course, he's going to get angry when somebody doesn't run the right route, right? But every time you've seen him in the huddle, he was just always calm, cool, and collective. He grew up watching Joe Montana. You guys, I'm sure you've heard the story about Joe Montana at the Super Bowl. They're getting ready to go down on the game-winning drive, and he looks up in the stands. They're in the huddle. Everybody's like, okay, game's on the line. He looks up in the stands and goes, is that John Candy? I don't know if y'all <laughs> heard that. But and, and like everybody in the huddle was like, this guy's a different cat. Like He's not overwhelmed by, by the situation. And that's one of the pluses of having a quarterback sit on the bench. I mean, you, he can get comfortable 
over the course of two, three, four years, right, and not be thrust into the spotlight like Chicago does every single quarterback they bring on board, right? And I don't know, man. I just I, I, Jordan Love's really growing on me. He's showing that, like I like I was talking about on that film study there, the way that he was falling to the left and still put that on a dime that throw. He's got the mechanics. He's got the arm strength. He has the accuracy. It's okay. What's his footwork look like? To me, it looks like his footwork has improved tremendously. He doesn't get rattled in the pocket. That's something we haven't even talked about yet. Is the way he moved around in the pocket in that game. Yeah. was unbelievable. Ryan, you sent a tweet out, man, and the, the play where he kind of danced around in the pocket, and then he, he 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 kind of turns his body, he almost turned his back to the line of scrimmage, rolls left, and then throws across his body and put it on a dime in the safest spot on the field possible, yeah. right? I mean, what do you guys think about Jordan Love up to this point? Or, you know, obviously after this game, he had one of his better games, right? And it is preseason, there are backups in. But how do we feel about Jordan Love right now? Is there still a chance if Aaron walks away next year that this is the quarterback of the future? Or do you think it's something that ah, we've already kind of turned the page? Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, no, um, my my stance on it is he showed every single thing you could ask from a quarterback. I, I don't see him having a single limitation. The only question is, can he do it consistently? If he does what he did in that game consistently, we got a quarterback. That's it. I mean, like you said, with, with that throw, to be able to scramble, to be able to throw off rhythm, to be able to throw across your body with your feet not planted, to put it in a perfect spot, despite what Bears fans say that it was out of his reach, it wasn't. His arms are at a 90-degree angle. It's obviously not out of his reach, and it touched his hands. <clears throat> you guys are ridiculous. But um, the, the arm strength, the accuracy, the poise, the timing, the footwork, everything's perfect. We just got to have you do it consistently. Because the, the funny thing is, you know, some Packer fans on Twitter saying, you know, Justin Fields could never. Well, they went out and found some throws that are quite good of Justin Fields. Everybody can do it. It's not a matter of can you do it. These are NFL quarterbacks. They can do a lot of stuff. Can you do it consistently is going to make the difference between him being a bust and him being potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah. Jacob, as far as the PFF grade, I'm sure you mentioned it in all that information, but let's just hit it one more time. Jordan loves PFF grade. What What's the, the revised grade as it sits right now? For the Saints, well, like I said, as of 8 a.m., it was uh, 72.5, passing grade of 70.3, run grade of 66.3. And he, for whatever reason, he got a run block grade of 60.0. So throw that in there. Yeah, man, like Ryan said, I was going to say consistency is, I mean, like he, he can do everything. He seems more confident. The mechanics look sound. Um, I'll put it this way I've seen a step from him where if Rodgers, Obviously, God willing, not. But if he were to go down in an injury, I don't think immediately my first thought would be, oh, the season's over, which I right. would have thought um, last year for sure. Right. This year, I would think, okay, we maybe have a shot still. Obviously, I'm not going to be making any crazy bets, but um, right. I would not be, I wouldn't be selling the farm if, if he takes over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree on everything there. Um, it's, We've got to wait and see. As bad as we hate saying and hearing that, right? You just need a little bit more time um, to see what we got there. And uh, it's it's so awesome. We've got literally an MVP quarterback until then. So, uh, all right, we're going to answer a listener email real quick and get everybody out of here. This came from Jacob. I always screw up the last names, man. I'm, I'm guessing that's Bruno. Um, said, hey, Clayton. Uh, hey, my name is Jacob from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Absolutely love your pod and all the info you give us. 
while I love Ryan's pod, I feel like you hit on totally separate things that Ryan would never touch on, especially contracts and how they relate to salary cap. Can you share with us how you came to know Ryan and started hosting Packers Total Access? I'm sure there's some kind of story there. And Jacob, I want your take on it too, man, on kind of how long you've known Ryan here. We'll hit on it real quick. But uh, yeah, I've listened to Ryan's podcast. I couldn't tell you the year that I started listening to it, um, but uh, exactly. But I know this. Um, it was in 2020 when my, my mom passed away. Um, kind of a rough time happened in May. And the thing that I leaned on the most was the fact that there was a daily podcast that just kind of kept my mind off of crap. And and when you get into the off season, the Packers content becomes so, uh, I don't know, just so scarce. And the fact that Ryan always did a pod every single day was what really drew it to it. Now, let's fast forward to how I became a host of Packers Total Access. Kind of a funny story. I, I just happened to be scrolling. I think it was on Facebook, I believe. Scrolling one day. And I'm in the Packernet group. If you guys aren't in the Packernet Facebook group, get in there. It's it's unbelievable. It's a really, really good group. We need more engagement in there, too, because I'm telling you, when people do post, it's awesome. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that's where I seen it, where Ryan said, hey, looking to, looking to kind of interview a few people as far as doing pods and this and that. And uh, my wife's seen it, and she was like, you need to reach out to him. Like, reach out to him and just put something together. Like, because I had been shooting that that topic down for a long time people have told me hey man you should do a podcast because they anytime somebody comes over and watches football at my house i'm geeked out most of the time the, the tv's muted because i just want to watch the play i don't want to hear the announcers i'm just a, a film geek right but anyway um so i reached out to ryan and he's like yeah just throw something together and this is what i did i actually used madden video game to break down an off-season scenario that's what i did so I walked through the offseason. I basically gave a scenario of where um, we kept Rodgers and kept Devontae Adams and then a scenario where we had to let them go or at least let one go, I think, is what the end scenario was. And I did two 45-minute segments on each scenario and sent it over to Ryan. I think it got deleted, and I hope it did, because I'm telling you, I bet it's brutal to go back and listen to. So anyway, that's the story behind how I became the host of Packers Total Access and if I was sitting here saying, um, oh, yeah, man, I knew from the beginning this was going to be a great, you know, great hookup here. This this is something that would be long term. I'd be lying to you because I was thinking, oh, what the heck? We'll fire from the hip and see what happens. Everything's kind of evolved through that. But, Jacob, you've known him a lot longer than me and listen to Packernet podcast a lot longer than me, man. How long how long do you guys go back? Any idea? I think 2018, maybe 2019 at least. Um yeah, I, uh, I just honestly, I thought about it the other day as to how uh, my first contact was. Ryan probably doesn't remember this, but I actually messaged him inquiring as to why he wasn't as popular as another very popular podcaster, <laughs> which I, I won't name. You guys maybe know what it is, but uh, I just, I was like, you're way better. And uh, if there's anything I can do, I'd love to help. And then I think I offered to do the Instagram thing and then turned into the pristine thing and then. Yeah, once the network started getting going, I started hooking up with Clayton. And so I actually, believe it or not, like 2019, 2020, I did think that uh, this was going to take off. And, um, so I was looking to jump and ride his coattails any way I could. So now I'm still here. Can't get rid of me. <laughs> love it. Love it. So, Ryan, dude, I'll ask this and then we'll, we'll get off here, man. 
what was the goal when you sent that message out, first of all? Because I want to hear your perspective. And I'm kind of putting them on the spot. We didn't talk about this offline. When you sent that message out, I believe it was on Facebook. You correct me if I'm wrong. But it was just, hey, look, we're looking to bring some shows on. What was the vision you had for Packernet Podcast? What was kind of the end goal there? Well, like you said, as far as shooting from the hip, that's just kind of how I operate. I, I get an idea, and it's it's brilliant in the moment. And then sometimes a week later, I'm like, what the heck did I do that for? How do I get out of this now? This was the worst idea I've ever had in my life. Um, but but the general thought was, I know that we can do more, but I can't do it myself. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm only one person. I got so much going on, and I keep trying to add on to my own plate, and it falls apart because I don't have the time. I can't make the commitment. And I said, you know, there's there's other people out there, pop, Packer people doing like network type stuff. They've got groups of people. That's not really my thing, and I don't know about managing people and everything else. But let's just let's just throw it out there. We'll take it step by step. We'll see how it goes. Um, because again, I know we can do more and I know that there can be better and, um, and I know I can't do it myself. And, and this is, this is the natural next step. So that was, that was the genesis of that. Got it. Got it. Good stuff. Well, Jacob, hopefully that answered your email, man. Appreciate you taking the time to message us. Um, always love the listener emails guys. If you're sitting here going, man, I need to send an email, but I, yeah, I don't know if it'd be worth do. Just take the time to do it because the more feedback we get, from our listeners, the better. Whether it's feedback or, or an idea for a show, it may not always make the cut, but we definitely appreciate the feedback. And some of the best shows I've done, I'll just say right now, the listeners set it up. It's just a fact. And uh, also, make sure you're calling in to Packernet After Dark. That's an opportunity for you to get your voice heard. And that's what we want Packernet After Dark to be. We want it to be fun. We want it to be chill. And we want to hear what's on the mind of the listeners. And I'm telling you, every time a listener calls in, whether it's a football question or, or whatever it is, I, I typically like the football questions personally. But again, I'm the nerd that watches the game with the TV muted, right? But um, when you call in, man, it adds so much value to the show. So make sure you guys take the time to do that when you do have a chance. So with that, we're going to sign off and get out of here. Um, I want to say this. It was fun doing the Chalk Talk segment with you guys. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. I seen that play and was like, I believe that that Ryan would absolutely love this. I knew Jacob was going to be on the show. It's just so, like you said, man, it's basically three looks in one. And the, uh, yeah, the, the defense didn't know where the crapper go blind, so they closed one eye and fought It was absolutely awesome. <laughs> so, um, with that being said, guys, that play again was 11A, strong right bump, Z-motion, play-action sift. XY mesh, halfback flat. I'm going to break it down on a video later today if time will permit. And I'm going to put a you know a quick 20-minute video together. You'll see it on my YouTube channel. Try to give you guys a visualization of the All-22. Hopefully, you could follow along as we were describing what we were seeing on screen. It's a very, very risky thing to try to do film study in a podcast form. But hopefully, these three knuckleheads could, could put a few brain cells together and make it to where you guys could understand what we were talking about. But with that being said, we're going to get out of here. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.